Hi, Pastor Anthony here. At Vintage Faith Church, we stand behind the Bible's claim to be the Word of God, and we believe that the Scriptures contain everything needed for life and godliness. The Scriptures testify to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray that this recording stirs your faith towards that end. This is in no way meant to be a substitute for the local church gathering, which we believe is critical to your growth as a Christian and your walk with Christ. We pray that you will find the sermon edifying and challenging. Thank you for listening. So if you've been with us, you know that we are in a sermon series on the Ten Commandments and we're coming to the the tail end of that. We are on what theologians call the second table of the law. Commandment one, two, three, and four. We're all about how do we as human beings relate to this God. And uh, in, in commandment number five to the end is how do we relate to each other? And Jesus uh, kind of defines it as um, what are the, the two great commandments? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's commandment one to four, and love your neighbor as yourself, commandment five through ten. Today we're looking at the commandment known as the eighth commandment, you shall not steal. Um, But I want to read a quote here from Karl Marx. Uh, He says this, If you know anything about Karl Marx, he wrote the Communist Manifesto. He said, the theory of the communists may be summed up in a single sentence, abolition of private private property. Okay, that's just, we're not, it's part of where where we're going today. Um, But he says, hey, the, the Communist Manifesto can be summed up in this one sentence, no private property. And we have to ask ourselves as, as Christians, is, is, it, is it okay to own things? Is it good and right to own things? I don't know if you remember, during the pandemic, Gal Gadot, does anyone in here know who she is? That name? Yeah, okay. Played Wonder Woman, the, the new character who plays Wonder Woman. I don't know a lot about her, but I do know this that during the pandemic, she organized a uh, YouTube sing-along with uh, um, 10 to 20 uh, famous actors and actresses. And during the pandemic, in the the beginning of it, in a thick irony, uh, while most of you and myself were worried about how am I going to pay the bills in, in three months if this continues, Um, Or maybe I own a business, and and is that business going to be able to survive? Um, How do I sustain my family through this? Um, They sang, she organized a song with, again, 10 to 20 uh, probably multi-millionaires singing from their multi-millionaire homes, probably their second home, maybe their third home, and they sang John Lennon's Imagine. And there's a line in there. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. Sang from by millionaires who have all the possessions that you may want or desire or need. So with thick irony, they sang that 
song, and we have to ask ourselves, is that what is going to make a better world? No possessions? Is that it? Is that the reason that people um, stealing happens? Is that the reason all this happens? Is because everybody wants possessions and we should just um, go to a communal style of living. So let's look at our text today. Again, these, these last few texts, they're quick, they're short, they're two Hebrew words. Um, in English, you shall not steal. And I've been joking kind of all week uh, on this one because um, it's one of the, probably, it's, it's not a hot topic, Ten Commandment. It's not like last week, right? Adultery and it's sexual immorality and lust, and it's not um, one that's debated like the Sabbath um, you shall not steal. And all week I've been saying, hey, just read it. All right, come on, Steve. Let's come on up. Let's sing. Right? We all agree. Let's, let's not steal. But, but I think we can go a little deeper than that today. Wayne Grudem says this of the Eighth Commandment. The Eighth Commandment is unique. It protects property and possessions. By implication, we are also right to think it protects another person's time and talents and opportunities. Everything over which people have been given stewardship. Without the Eighth Commandment, therefore, the Ten Commandments would not cover all the major areas of human life. We would have God's instructions protecting worship, life, marriage, family, and truth. But where would the Ten Commandments tell us what we should do with our possessions and our talents and opportunities? So Grudem's just making the point. He's saying this commandment here is extremely practical because we are physical people. We live in a physical world. We own physical things. Does the Bible talk to that? And yes, it does. And and again, we're not going to get into all of that. But in Exodus... God is going to unpack all the commandments. You've got the Ten Commandments, and then, hey, this is how it looks like in in life. Um, In fact, here is another uh, side to, to this commandment, Exodus 22, verse 5. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed over or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the beast in his own field and in his own vineyard. So this is the idea here. Hey, if you own something and you're responsible for that, a dog, a a, a beast, and it goes into someone else's property and ruins their possessions, you are liable. And there's all sorts of laws in the Bible about this. It seems to me, and it seems that that through the word of God, that God has a lot to say about possessions. The God that we worship is not saying, hey, this material world is bad. It's all about the spiritual. Just leave the material world behind, and just all that matters is, is the spiritual life. That is Gnosticism. That is not Christianity. Christianity is unique in that we look at the body and the world and we say this is all from God and it was given as a gift and it's good. It's good. A few months ago, 
Amy and I were at uh, a soccer game, one of our kids' soccer games, and it was at the indoor arena, and it was midday, a beautiful uh, sunny winter day, but um, a very active uh, day at the, at the indoor soccer center. And we come out midday to, to get into the car and find that our windshield had been shattered uh, on the car, and, and the car just ransacked, and Amy's purse was stolen, and we had some things stolen. And I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. Um, some of you may have had your house broken into. There is a deep sense of there is a deep sense that you've been wronged. That, that, hey, forget about what was stolen. Forget about the window. Insurance is going to pay for that. Like, that, that is my, my possession. I, I own that. And somebody else just took it upon themselves to break in and take whatever they want. Stealing, and I, and I know I don't have to convince anyone in here, is it's a sin, and it's not good, and, and no society can flourish where you have thieves in mass. In fact, if you're watching the news lately, you've seen two, two stories on this. First of all, the city of San Francisco, you've got major retailers moving out of San Francisco because of all the, the theft that's happening in the city. You've got Walmart making a statement recently, hey, our prices are going up significantly because there's a lot of theft lately. Stealing affects everyone. Stealing affects everyone. Um, stealing is not loving our neighbor. Romans 13, 9 to 10. This is Paul, again, um, talking about the Ten Commandments. And he says, for the commandments... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So we, we've looked at this scripture in the last eight weeks a few times. And here's where we want to shatter kind of the, the, the uh, well, there's a, a part of Christianity that's here and then the world here that, that'll just say, hey, love your neighbor. Forget about the law of God. Just love your neighbor. But Paul is clear here saying, hey, you want to love your neighbor. This is what it means. This is what it means. And he rolls through the second table of the law. Don't steal from them. Don't covet their stuff. Don't commit adultery. So the law is good, and the law is right. So here, here's where I want to begin to press in on, on all of us. Um, so stealing here is going to cover a lot of things. Um, let's, let's think about it in a bigger context. Number one, uh, stealing time from your employer. Parents, you can steal time from your kids. Um, or maybe you're in here and you've kind of got that, that Robin Hood idea where it's like, hey, that's a big corporation. I can take a little uh, from them um, and, and give to, to myself, who you might consider the poor. Um, what is behind the, uh, the sin of stealing? What is the idol behind the sin of stealing. 
Because I'm guessing right now, most of you are kind of thinking, okay, well, I don't steal. I'm not a thief. Check. I'll listen to what you have to say, Pastor, but, but check, let, let's move on. But uh, um, I, I think it's more than that. I think it's, it's deeper than that. In fact, I, did, I shouldn't say I think. The, the scriptures will tell us that it's deeper than that, and we're going we're gonna to get there. But if you're a note taker, um, here's three points on, on just the idea of stealing and what, what is behind it. First of all, the first point, stealing is greedy. It's a, a greedy heart is going to steal. There is a story of a, a man in, in the Gospels, and Jesus is, is walking around. He is healing. He is teaching. Um, he is doing miracles. And, and the buzz is spreading, like, hey, could this be the Messiah? The Messiah may be here. The one that we've been waiting for is here. The one that the Old Testament prophets were just building to and telling us, hey, he's going to come. And this man is going to roll back the curse of death and the toil of work, and he's going to usher in a new kingdom. And he's doing all of that work, and everybody's talking about, hey, could this be the one? And then we have a story that's placed in the Gospels, and it's like, really? So let's go to, to Luke 12, 13 to 15. Imagine the buzz that's going on now. And this man comes to Jesus, and it says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against covetousness. That's in a few weeks. We're going to look at that. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Okay, so, so God is for possessions. We, we're, going to, we're going to see that. He's for it. But that can often go wrong. We can be greedy. We can be idolatrous. And here you have a man who is meeting God, the Son of God in flesh. And what does he do? Jesus, tell my brother that he needs to give me this. Help me. I know you can help me. I know you've got some kind of authority. Help me get what's coming to me. This man met the Messiah, and all he cared about was his inheritance. This is greed. This is greed. So stealing is greedy. What's behind stealing is greedy. What's also behind stealing is covetousness. We just saw it there. If you don't know what that word means, that's lusting after seeing something that's not yours and wanting it, and wanting it to a degree that it, that it just captivates your mind and, most, and, and, and getting you to a point where you most likely will act on it. Uh, we have a story of this in the, the Old Testament. Uh, if you know the story of David, King David, he, um, he should have been off to war. He was a, a mighty general, a mighty king. And uh, the Bible says that, that when he should have been off to war, he was kind of hanging out uh, in his palace, uh, in, in, in his rooftop palace and, and relaxing which, by the way, men, just to, to talk to men, that's usually when we can get in trouble, uh, when, we're not, when we're not working, when we're not um, 
moving towards a goal. I don't know if you've ever heard the, the phrase, men are like trucks, they drive straight with a, better, with a bigger load. I think there's something there. When, when, we don't, when we're not doing, when we're twiddling our thumbs, we can tend to get in trouble. And this happens to David. So he's on his roof, and he's looking, and he sees in the distance uh, Bathsheba, and she's bathing on the roof. And uh, instead of averting his eyes and going back in his palace, he keeps looking. He's coveting another man's wife. And it gets to become so strong at one point in 2 Samuel 11.4. So, so David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her. So he was the king. He just, he just took what he wanted. He stole another man's wife. So covetousness and greed are behind the act of stealing. And if you know anything about this story, David then lies. He then uh, has Uriah, who is the husband of Bathsheba, murdered. So in this one move by David, he breaks the 10th commandment of covetousness. He breaks the uh, the 8th commandment of stealing. He lies and breaks the 9th commandment. He breaks the seventh commandment, adultery, and he, to top it all off, he has murdered the sixth commandment. So, so this is King David. Um, every one of the second, or every commandment in the second table of the law, David breaks um, with Bathsheba. Uh, stealing leads to, to more sin, to lying, to cover up sin. Um, it's, it's bound up in greed and covetousness. So the That's the second point. The third point, when we allow our hearts to be greedy or when we allow our hearts to covet and when we steal, whatever it is, we are not imaging God. We're imaging Satan. Let me tell you what I mean. Uh, Isaiah 14, 13 to 14, this is a prophecy um, that, that ultimately is pointing uh, it's got an immediate context, but it's ultimately pointing to, to, to Satan. And this is um, Isaiah here. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So this is Satan. He was prideful, and he wanted what God had, and he wanted to take it. Okay? So when we engage in this, we are imaging Satan, not God. In fact, Jesus, in in the Gospels, when he's talking to the Pharisees, and what does he call them? He says, your father is not Abraham. Your father is the devil, seed of the serpent, seed of the serpent. So have you ever thought about that, church, brothers and sisters, that when we live according to the world's ways, against the ways of God, um, when we live like that, we are actually living more like Satan than we are imaging God. Last week, we we looked at this idea that often... um, we can look towards... the, The Ten Commandments are negative... 
uh, negative injunctions, many of them, and, and they're saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do this. And often we, we can look at all of that, which, which one of the authors called Sodom and Gomorrah, and we can look at that and say, that looks good. That, that looks good. But it's death and destruction. So just a, a, a word here to, to men, um, because again, I, I think this, is, this commandment is a lot bigger uh, than do I steal, do I not steal. I, I think it's, it's really strongly about the heart. Am I generous or am I greedy? Um, Owen Strand says this of men, and this is pertinent, it's Father's Day, and women, you can... can Put yourself in in this too in in a way, but this is to men. Thus, men today are not fulfilling one of their most important roles. They are not protecting women and children, but are in fact preying on them. As the hugely popular phenomena of sex trafficking and pornography show. So I think this is another way that we can be in violation of stealing. If you're in here and you give yourself regularly to pornography, you are stealing. You are not meant to be looking at that. It's illicit. You're taking one of God's good gifts, and like Satan, you're twisting it. Not to mention that that whole industry is powered by the stealing of human beings. And you may unknowingly be a part of it in what you're doing. That is a greedy heart, men and and women, if you're involved in that. It's a greedy heart. It's taking advantage of image bearers, men and women made in the image of God. That is in direct opposition to what God has made you to be, which is a steward. Like Strangan says, men, we are supposed to protect women and children, to make a place where, hey, they feel safe to be in the space, whether that space is our home, whether that space is where we work, whether that space is church. Men need to step up and be men and not give themselves to this, but step into what God has given us to be. And like anything else, when men do that, everything around will flourish. And not discounting women. Women, your role is huge, and and there's complementarian here. It's not like, hey, men, we can do this without the women. That's not what I'm saying. Um, And women can't do it without the men. We need to, to step into the roles that God has given us. So with every commandment, there is a uh, positive side to the, to the commandment. So for instance, last week we looked at uh, do not commit adultery. And if, if you were here, you can remember the, the positive side of that is, hey, we need to hold marriage in high esteem. Like this is serious. Like marriage is showing the gospel. It's that big. It, it matters. Uh, We looked at do not murder. Well, the positive side of not murdering is we need to hold all life um, as precious. Men and women and children and babies and unborn babies, they are made in the image of God and life is precious and we need to value life. So what is the positive side of do not steal? 
What is the positive side of do not steal? Well, let's look at the Heidelberg Catechism. This was helpful to me as I was studying. Um, here's the, it's a question and answer format. So here's the question. In the Eighth Commandment, what does God require of you in the Eighth Commandment? That's the question. Is it more than just don't steal? Answer. That I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good that I treat others as I would like them to treat me, and that I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need. So you might be thinking, that you're reading a catechism, Pastor. Where is that in the Bible? Let's go to Ephesians 4.28. This is Paul talking about the Eighth Commandment. Let the thief no longer steal. Okay, so if, if if you're a Christian, stop, stop stealing, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. See, the opposite of not stealing is working hard, having some resource, and sharing that resource with others who need it. The person that steals is not going to share. Again, what's behind stealing is a greedy, covetous heart. God is calling us, men and women, to, to work in whatever way that, that, that you're called to work. And in particular, men, called to, to work, do honest work with your own hands so that you have something to share with those in need. See, the Bible is extremely strong here. And, it, and again, this, it, it, and this, this is not intentional. It's Father's Day, and, and I think a lot of this is going to be directed um, at, at the guys. Um, but the Bible is saying, hey, if you're, you're a man, you were, you were made to work. We're all made to, to cultivate, but men, you're made to work. You're meant, meant, made to go out and earn a living and provide in some way for your family. And if you're able to do that, and I'm not talking about retired, there's, I know some of you are retired in a different season of life, praise the Lord. Um, but, but in your working years, if you're able to do that and you don't, you are in great sin against the Lord. Grievous sin against the Lord. In fact, Paul says to Timothy, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Right there. So, so guys, like, hey, I know we all we have jobs and we can complain about our jobs, but we are made to work and made to provide. You were made and created by your creator to do that, to love your family, provide for your family, to protect your family. And this is the opposite of a greedy heart. This is a generous heart where you spend your energy and spend yourself so those around you can flourish. And it goes beyond your family to the church. This church wouldn't even be here if there wasn't generous people um, within this church giving. We couldn't survive if there were not hardworking families giving to the work of the church in this kingdom. So I would just 
press on you and ask, is that you? Are you, um, when you have your, your stuff and, and your, your money and, and the things that God has blessed you with, like everything you have is from him. Everything you have is, is a gift from him. What do you do with it? Do you give back? Do you give to the work of the kingdom? Do you give to those around you in need? Or are you, hey, this is mine, and, and have that scarcity mentality that I can't give it up. I need, I need, I need. And I would just say, that's greed. That, that's greed. And you can be greedy with no money, and you can be greedy with a lot of money. It really doesn't matter. It's a heart issue. There's a quote here from, from a theologian that, that I liked. He says, God's image bearers must work hard, doing honest work, and then further reflect their creator by being generous with what they earn. God creates, owns, and shares. So when we do this, we are imaging him. He cares about stealing because he cares about his glory. When laziness and selfishness drive us to steal, we forfeit the opportunity to share in God's righteous character and reflect him to the world. So again, the commandment is do not steal. That's the negative side. But the positive side of do not steal is work hard, earn some money, have some money, and share it. Share it with those in need. Share it with your church. We have a beautiful example of this in the Bible. In the book of Ruth, and, and men, this is a short book, and I would just encourage you maybe this week to read it if you haven't. There's, there's a man in here that's just a stellar example for, for all of us. His name is Boaz. But in the book of Ruth, you have Ruth and Naomi, who there was a famine. Famine in the land, and, and uh, Ruth's husband takes her out of the land, and they go looking for food, and her husband dies, and, and they, 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 the sons die, um, and at one point, they're like, we got nothing. Ruth and, and her mother-in-law, Naomi, and they're like, we're, we're heading back. We're, we're going back to Bethlehem. And they head back to Bethlehem with, with nothing. And it's again, it's a time of famine. This is a time of the judges. And they've suffered incredible loss. You can imagine these two women going back to Bethlehem, not knowing where they're going, not really able to provide themselves, no men in their life, and their life had just been ripped apart by loss and death. And they head back, and Ruth goes out into the fields to glean, and gleaning was just, uh, it was a law that God set up where people who were poor could go on the edges of the fields and take grain and wheat. And Ruth goes out to glean, and praise the Lord, she runs into Boaz. And Boaz is a picture of a godly man. Boaz is a man who owns a business. He's got resource. He loves the Lord. He cares about people. And the picture that you get in the book of Ruth is everything around Boaz is flourishing. Everything around him and, and Ruth is gleaning in his field, and Boaz says this. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, he calls her my daughter. How sweet is that? Listen, my daughter. 
He could have taken advantage of her. He could have said, you know what? She's cute. She's younger than me. I've got some resource. I can make this turn in my favor. And here you see him saying, my daughter. I mean, that, there's so much packed into that. Men, this is how we should view the opposite sex. This is how we should view younger women. My, my daughter. I care about you, my daughter. He says, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young man not to touch her? Look what he does. He's got these men around him. He's like, you don't touch that girl. He knows the human heart. Don't touch her. Stay away. This is a man protecting. This is a man with resource that's willing to protect someone that needs protection. I've told them not to touch you. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Man, this is a picture of the opposite of stealing. This is the exact opposite of stealing. This is having, working, and giving. Even, uh, he goes on to say, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. Now he's saying you can do more than glean here. Here, come eat dinner with us. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So again, you, you have a picture of a man He's not only allowing her to glean, he is feeding her and he is sending her home with food. And and again, this isn't just for the men. Men and women in Christ, this is a picture of how we are to be. We are to be generous, which is the opposite of stealing. It's the opposite of greed. And why can we be so generous as brothers and sisters in Christ? Because you've been given everything. If you're in here and you know Jesus, God sent his only son to die for your sin. He's given you his son. In fact, Paul says in Romans, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, if you're a Christian, you've been forgiven and you've been given an inheritance. And this world is not it for you. And Paul's reminding us here in Romans, saying, hey, God, God is so good, he didn't spare his son. He's going to give you what you need. Don't have that greedy heart like thinking you got to do it all. Work hard, be faithful, and God will supply. The impulse to steal is bound up in greed. It's living just for ourselves. You can have that same heart and not steal. 
You can have a greedy, non-generous heart and not be stealing. In fact, I think we all wrestle with that, if we're honest, right? We don't. It can be hard. Chris, in his prayer confession, was, was confessing that it can be hard to give. We don't always want to give. But we can live a life trying to build our kingdom and protecting everything that we have, or we can build a life that is giving it all to God's kingdom and say, God, it's all yours anyway. I'm with you and trust. In fact, this is the call. If you're a disciple of Christ, this is the call for all of us. Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He's not saying give all your possessions away. He's not saying don't, don't live, um, don't enjoy things. He's saying deny yourself, which your inclination is always going to be to build your kingdom. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul. See, we, we think that life is found in what we have. We wouldn't say it like that, but, but we functionally live like that often in, in what we can get. Um, and we have a mentality that we don't want to lose it. What if I don't have money coming in next month? Why would I give to this person who's in need? Why would I give to the church? Um, they look like they're doing fine. Um, but the, the reality is we, we have a greedy heart. Um, and again, we might not be stealing, but our, but our heart wants to keep what we have. We're, we're worried. Um, we're worried if we give it away that, that, that maybe we won't have it in a week and won't have it when we, when we need it. And that's not trusting God. We need to trust God. You've been given everything. We've been given everything. Let's not be greedy. Let's not be stingy. Remember, you're not your own. I'm not my own. We were bought with a price. You are not your own. Your things are not your own. So I would ask you this morning, who, who in your life, think about your life for a moment. Think about your circle of, of, of friends and family and, and work people and church. Think about the people in your life. How can you have a posture of generosity towards those people? And I know there's all different income levels in here, and, and, and I'm not talking about just giving money. We're talking about giving time, prayer, love, concern. Who can you give to in your circle of life? Maybe it's money. Maybe it's hospitality. Are you generous with your home? Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's a phone call. You have been given everything, and you will inherit everything. Everything is coming for you if you know Jesus. Peter says it like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and here it is, to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you.
You have a glorious inheritance waiting for you. This world and this life is but a breath. It's but a breath. Time is ticking. Even you're, you're closer to the end than you were when you came in here. Time is ticking, but eternity awaits. I think if we all could fully grasp the world to come and really put our hope in that like, like the Bible calls us to, we would be much more generous here on earth. Much more generous. So when we think about closing here, I just want to leave you with one thought. The Lord Jesus, when he was crucified, was crucified between two thieves. Okay? Matthew 27 says this, Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. The Son of God, the one who was freely given his own life and who was taking the sin of his people upon him on that cross, was nailed to a wooden Roman cross between a thief or with a thief on his left and a thief on his right. And I just want to leave you with that and just think about that. In some sense, that's you and me. Our greedy, covetous hearts are represented there and that the Son of God who had the perfectly generous heart right there in the middle taking the punishment that you and I deserved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we love you and we, Lord, we, we confess, I, I confess my own greedy heart this morning. My heart often wants to keep everything that you have given me and not be generous with it. Lord, I pray that we can look to you as a generous God and, and want to image you and be generous people, generous with our money, generous with our time, generous with, our, with forgiveness for others, generous with grace for others. Help us to be a generous people, Lord. We know that we are only empowered to do that through you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your son. We thank you for the generosity of eternal life and forgiveness that is in Christ. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with us. We hope that you found this sermon edifying, encouraging, and challenging. To learn more about Vintage Faith Church, visit vintagefaithcicero.com. And of course, if you live in the area, we invite you to worship the Lord with us on Sunday mornings.